Hey, ladies. Hello. Hey. How are you guys? Good. How are you? You know what? I hate to be British and talk about the weather, but I checked the weather forecast this morning and I know at the end of this week it's going to be 27 degrees. So my week at the beginning of the week, which is not that great today, I'm already like in a better mood because I know it's going to get good. Katie, how are you, miss? I've got lovely, lovely twists, which I'm going to copy. I think they're so dreamy. Thanks. I'm losing my voice if you can't hear from screaming at the television mm. from the mm. England match. So I'm mm. I'm really tired. I'm I'm exhausted. <laughs> Literally. Um, I'm tired too. I'm so I know tired. that match was I know Chi you don't subscribe to sport, but Kadine. I was with a mutual friend of ours, Annie, last night and we were like tears. Everyone was crying. Oh bless them. It was like a lot. I mean But um emotion it was a very hard night last night. It was. So yeah. yeah. And then to wake up this morning to the racial abuse of yeah the black mixed race football players just great yeah, great. yeah it's completely yeah. unsurprising though and no, it's, not I don't know. Yeah. it's not surprising it's very interesting yeah. seeing the switch between everyone's instagram content mm-hmm, this morning mm-hmm. but i'm gonna yeah no so comment true. this isn't a topic of <laughs> interest for me but we're here for the last yeah. episode of season two yeah which has we come are. by really quickly. It has. And it's a yeah. good one. Yeah, it is a very good one. Before we get into it. In case you didn't know, you are listening to the Unpretty podcast where we explore perceptions of beauty through the lens of black and non-black people of colour. Kadeen, before we even pressed record, you have new twists in your hair, which I'm in love with. And I've been thinking about getting because I've never done it before. Um, but you were talking to us about something you saw on Sierra's... Instagram yeah, Sierra has had some jumbo twists about five weeks ago mm. and I was just in love with him I was like that's what I want that's what I want because I've actually never mm. had jumbo twists before I've only done box braids so these twists I'm liking them but they could have been a bit puffier how do you make them puffier Katie I think it's the texture of the hair that you have to buy when you're using it I think it needs to be more like kinkier right so- it's a real art form I think doing twists because mm. Ao has twists as well now doesn't mm. she so maybe I'll join the pack so yeah, we've got. So you need to do twists, and we need to go and see Charlotte. So we've got things to do. Oh yeah, of course we've got things to do. Oh yeah. God, Kadeen, this summer's going to be busy for us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and she, what have you been using? Well, I'm still on my natural hair wave. Mm, so journey. I did my first ever successful twist out. I did a 36 hour twist mm. out this weekend, Ooh. and it ended up with bouncy curls for yes. 24 hours and I used a whole bunch of product but I think the thing that actually nailed it was the Lush Curl Cream. Really? Because it has like a linseed gel that has holding properties but mm. it wasn't flaky at all. Good for you. I'm loving this journey of yours. It's so nice to watch you do it. Good for you. It is. It just makes me think of, you know when Dawn, we had Dawn Butler on and she was just like, mm-hmm. black hair is magical. Like, Hmm. even the process of trying out different things, I was like, oh my God, literally two days ago, my hair was poker straight, and now Hmm. I've got these curls. It's the versatility for me. It's the versatility. (laughs) What about you, Baz? What have you been doing? Actually, Kadeen recommended a sheer moisture, I guess it was a stretching pudding, Hmm. a stretching pomade. Did you you find it first? Couldn't find it anywhere, and I hate to give Jeff my money again, but it was on Amazon. I know, guys, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was like, I looked everywhere. And the thing, the problem with it was I needed it straight away because I needed to wash my hair. And this is what happens with Amazon. Mm. So I was like, oh, you know what? Screw it. I'll just buy it. It wasn't cheap. 
but sheer moisture products in general aren't that cheap. So I used that for the first time. I would say it's a very heavy product. Mm. My hair is quite fragile. It's not coarse hair, but it does quite like heavy product. Mm. Did you twist out your hair when using it? What was your yeah. technique? So I twisted it. Yeah. So I usually, I do an aloe vera and egg yolk mask for two hours. Oh my God. And then I wash. Yeah. So our first episode um, of season two, which was Leila from Wild Seed, recommended doing a really cool, you know, that aloe vera thing she said, where you just get aloe vera, you blend it and then you put it in ice cubes mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. freezer I've been doing that ever since she said it I like that is definitely something I've taken away from the pod so I do that every week ish and then what I do is I twist it at the roots I'll put castor oil on the roots and then I'll twist it with whatever cream I'm using and then I just let it naturally dry but I would say that this didn't necessarily stretch out mm. it just kept my, the curls are definitely kept they're in yeah, yeah, um, yeah which is nice I still think I need Charlotte's help though I still I do you know what guys what I'd like to do is figure out how to not have to twist. So that's the next step. Well, I mean, you have, you know, you have to that. twist. You have to twist. Do you? Yes. Mel B ever twist her hair? Did Mel B ever twist her hair? Mel B might have used she... a diffuser. She, she, she... she definitely did not twist her hair. We don't know that. She she rocks Bantus from time to time. I know, so... Back in the day, back in the day. Back, no, no, she, she rocks Bantus back in the day, but maybe she used a diffuser. Or I doubt she used curlers. (laughs) Shall we get into this episode? Yeah, let's do it. So today's guest, we actually came across after listening to her on the Mixed Up podcast. So we're going to put a link in for people to listen to because it's actually a really good conversation. It's very different to the conversation Mm -hmm. we have with her today. But yeah, shall we introduce her? Let's get into it. So joining us today, we have Megan Jane Crabb. Megan is a best-selling author, digital creator and presenter who built her online platform creating content around the topics of body positivity, eating disorder recovery, mental health and feminism. In 2017, she wrote her first book, Body Positive Power, a manifesto on all the reasons why we hate our bodies and how to find peace in them instead. And in 2019, she co-created and toured a sell-out live show called The Never Say Diet Club with empowering talks and comedy musicals welcome thank you so much for having me (laughs) Uh, so the first question that we ask our guests is how do you identify yourself culturally and ethnically if they are different things oh I would say currently I would identify myself as a mixed race black woman uh, my heritage is Jamaican Ghanaian on my dad's side and my mum I generally just describe as the whitest woman who's ever walked the planet <laughs> and that together produces me. Talking about your mixed heritage and identity we absolutely love the post that you did about your grandmother being one of the first whole Jamaican families to emigrate to the UK and how she plays such an amazing role in obviously black British history and on the Mixed Up podcast, she spoke about how little content surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement included people of mixed heritage. So based on that, do you or did you feel that the Black Lives Matter movement last year changed how you feel about your heritage and identity? Oh, my gosh. Definitely. Definitely. I think it was a time of deep, deep reflection for lots of people, uh, especially people with an online mm-hmm. platform. It threw me into a, into a bit of a journey of self-discovery in terms of my heritage and realizing how little I even knew about my heritage, how a year ago I probably would have even identified myself differently. You know, I have spent my life, the majority of my life, in a nearly completely white, conservative-leaning town where I'm very used to being the only non-white person in a mm-hmm. space. 
And then moving into the internet and moving into particularly anti-racism spaces and just more social justice oriented spaces over the last few years, that was a whole new lens, I guess, for seeing myself and trying to make sense of my experiences. And yeah, last year, last year really kicked off a lot of exploration for not just my history, but my role in these movements and as someone who has a platform and how to see myself, how other people see me. And it's been a, it's been a lot, but it kind of feels like it's been a long time coming because mm. literally I remember being like four years old and talking to my parents because I didn't understand. I, like, I didn't understand how to how mm-hmm. to see myself in terms of amongst my classmates or amongst in, in my town. Uh, so it's been it's been a ride before June 2020 how would you have identified yourself Mm, I would say that before I came onto social media in a big way I very much would have identified with my blackness and my black heritage you know Mm -hmm. growing up I was often the only black person amongst friends or, or groups and that that's a whole can of worms because then you get very tokenized Mm. and so I was quite comfortable in in my blackness then and then when I came onto the internet and the general perception wasn't that it was obvious that 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 I had black heritage Caribbean heritage and then I got quite lost in it and I got quite lost in other people's Mm. opinions and just constantly trying to guess how other people saw me rather than how I see myself and I think both those things are important what I've come to realize is that it's very important for me to be aware of how other people perceive me right and and the privileges that come with being lighter skinned and the fact that colorism is very alive and well and very like at work in where I've gone to in my mm-hmm. career as well and still I also get to define myself for myself I also get to define my identity for myself and these two things can exist at, at the same time and I think especially on social media we're not too good at like letting two things exist at the same time like we want really binary one or the other definitions and like really simple identities and when it comes to all kinds of mixed race identities I think it just can't always be reduced you know it can't always be simplified and made like black or white like excuse the kind of pun there most people on the internet know you or knew you as body posse panda first of all can you explain your reasoning behind the name because I actually really loved your video that you put out last week (laughs) explaining it and then also just explain your reason behind moving away from that body posse panda was born like seven years ago and I wanted something that had body posse in it that was what I was talking about. That's what all my content was around at that time. I've always loved pandas, uh, partly because they're adorable and partly because they are black, white and chubby. And that's that's my animal. <laughs> I wouldn't say spirit animal because that's problematic, but that's my animal. Um, so Body Pussy Panda was born and it has been a really amazing, I don't, it's not like an alter ego, but having that name has been an incredible way for me to speak about the things that I've been passionate about and explore all the areas of body positivity and kind of make my way in that community. And I think the change honestly has been kind of a long time coming because it's been quite a long time since I've been not only speaking about body Mm -hmm. positivity and talking about 
other topics and also creating different kinds of content doing some presenting and like podcast hosting and making content with my sister Gemma and talking about all kinds of different things and I just been putting it off I just been putting off I was like I know this has to happen at some point but am I ready to let go of the panda you know it's in a way it's it's been a bit of a safety blanket for me it's familiar it like really clearly defines what I am about and Mm -hmm. what I believe in but it was time to take the plunge and and move away from that and I think for me marked a bit of a point where I've changed my relationship with social media quite a lot over the last year um and I there are definitely things that I no longer want to do that I would associate with body posi panda like always having to have the exactly correct perfect response to every single thing that happens Mm. in the world and every single issue and caring so much about the numbers and people's opinions and essentially just performing the best that I can for for the audience I really just hit a breaking point with that this year where I was like I can't do this you know there's I feel like it's so hard on social media to show up in your full yeah. humanity, like to to show up as a full, complex, flawed human. And changing my name to my name, I guess, was one more step in saying, now nah, this is this is what you're gonna get now. You, you're gonna get a complex, flawed human who isn't gonna be perfect. Here we go. I love that. We're really excited to have you on as our guest for Unpretty and Unfiltered. Mainly because actually you, Megan, not to put all this pressure on you, but embody so many of the values of the Unpretty podcast, which is about self-acceptance, self-love and imperfection as well. Like we're very much, you know, none of us are perfect. None of us know the answers. We're just here to have a conversation and learn. So we thought that the best approach to our conversation with you would be to look back at the conversations that we've had um, so far in our two seasons of Unpretty and reflect over them in the context of Megan Jane Crabb. Um, so the first question oh. that we asked with our um, with Unpretty was, what are you doing with your hair during lockdown? Because we started, I think we started in April 2020, a month in, the salons were closed, I had braids, I ended up keeping my braids in for like six months, I think longer than six months, it was a long time, it was disgusting. I took them out, but then I redid them. Um, myself but they didn't look cute um how did you take care of your hair during lockdown do you dye your own hair what's what goes on behind that rainbow yeah I think this is a really interesting question to to pose to me because I'm assuming that actually the majority of people who you've asked this question to you've asked because they have Mm -hmm. textured hair right yeah true and here and here I am with my very much lacking in that department because of my strong strong white mum jeans <laughs> but yeah so what I did with my hair is is what I've always done I've always done it myself um I've always bleached it myself colored it myself wow. I figured what's the worst that could happen like I love color I'll just throw on as much of it as I like and if it goes wrong I'll just cut it off <laughs> I mean so you're brave you're very very brave because I remember when I first dyed my hair I was like to my hairdresser you cannot put bleach in my hair you have to find a way without dyeing my hair blonde without bleaching it and she did <laughs> thankfully um, so I was grateful but yeah you're super brave I couldn't do that but what do you do to keep your hair like as I would say as healthy as possible as you have it dyed so often oh my gosh I always say to people 
don't do it. Um, like whenever whenever someone gives me a, a compliment on my hair, my first response is don't do it. It's it's you will not revive it. Um, but I've over the years refined my technique quite a lot. So essentially, we wash it as little as possible. We are over here with the dry shampoo. The dry shampoo is our best friend, like every day. Um, so we try and only wash once a week or push it longer. Uh, we use shit ton of oils and like leave-in conditioner every time I wash my hair I do a 12-hour deep precondition so it's a whole it's a whole event like when I wash my hair I put it on my to-do list so it's a genuine thing that I've picked (laughs) off and then we just coat it in like after treatments and if we go like in water we have a water protection thing and I have been known to wear a swimming cap that's made me look like a giant condom before (laughs) to protect it if I get like salt water or chlorine, it just it's just gonna snap. Talking of swimming caps, just a sidebar, what is your thoughts on the Olympics banning swimming caps that people of colour wear? Because we have, you know, different size swimming caps to most people because of like the thickness and length of our hair. You know what? Every time I see some more shit come up about the Olympics being blatantly racist, I'm just like all of these all of these like things that you grow up thinking like these are like quintessential good things that people mm. love and they get really invested in and and you know bring us together and and actually underneath it all there's all of these layers of structural racism and discrimination i i'm just like well i wasn't very into the olympics already but i will be very much done this year fair that is fair um what about no what do what do you what do you two feel in terms of like still watching any of it? Are, are you like cut and dry done with it? I hate sports. So like I wouldn't watch the Olympics anyway. Like I'm very much avoiding all summer sports, summer 2021, all the key things, Love Island, <laughs> the Euros and now the Olympics. Three things I absolutely hate. It's, it's not a great summer for me. Kate, <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. For me, I only really tend to watch the Olympics when it comes to, I think, track because that's where black people tend to excel the most, and I root for everybody black. <laughs> so that tends to be the only reason why I tend to watch the Olympics. To be fair, but the fact that they have banned, you know, the use of these swimming hats, I'm just like, do you not understand mm. that we don't? have the same hair we don't all have the same requirements so the swimming hat isn't going to make them swim any faster I think that's what the absurd thing about all of the news that we've heard recently like none of it is targeted against someone who is more advantaged or doing something because they are more advantaged like it's just it's just oppressive I mean there's there's a lot of things wrong this year with the Olympics but I mean it's an institution that's how old and we all know with these old institutions it takes them a really long time before they get into you know the modern world and the things that happen in reality in in people's day-to-day lives (laughs) yeah yeah it takes a long while to replace all of those rooms of old white men yeah definitely they're slowly dying off though (laughs) (laughs) so we did an episode on tattoos and body art Mm -hmm. and I just had my first two tattoos and Ao also just recently got tattooed at the same place do you have any tattoos I don't have any but I do want one tattoo now here's the thing here's the thing I am a world-class 
overthinker. So in terms of having something that I love enough that I want on my body for the rest of my life, mm. I have had to be so sure. And I always told myself, if you have an idea for a tattoo, sit on it for two years. And if you still want it, then you can get it. Mm. And I currently have what I want. I've decided that I would really like my grandma's signature of, of her last name. Um, oh, wow. of that that side of the family to That's partly nice. represent the like journey of identity and and all that I've been going on lately um and I would like some watercolor flowers but all like native to Jamaica flowers around it um yeah. and there's a bit of a longer story there <laughs> I, I had this idea quite a while ago and then literally a couple of weeks ago my aunt gave me this giant bag of short stories and reflections that my grandma had written and I didn't really get to know my grandma as a kind of adult because she died when I was seven. But I've always wanted to know her so badly. And I've always felt quite connected to her. Like I, I talk to her out loud sometimes. And I don't know, I just I feel very connected. Mm. So to be given this bag of her writing, I it's like the best gift I've ever been given. And I pulled out this story a couple of weeks ago that I have no memory of. But it was her remembering when the whole family went to Jamaica. I was four years old. And apparently I said to her at the start of the trip, Granny, I'm going to take care of you on this trip because she's she was old. <laughs> she like walked with a cane at that point. So I appointed myself as her carer. And what that meant for me was collecting flowers around Jamaica like every day into this little basket. And in the evening, I would spread the flowers out on her bed. And that was me taking care of her. That's so um, sweet. Yeah. So now I'm like, and she like lists the, the kind of flowers that I was collecting. So those are now the exact flowers that I would like to get tattooed on myself with her last name as a, just a, a reminder of who the fuck I am, you know? I oh love God. that. I love it. <laughs> I love that. It's so meaningful. Kadeen, do you, yeah, I, I don't know if that's you. Do you have any tattoos? Oh, have we had no because I'm I'm scared of pain and I'm scared uh, of needles. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I mean, I do want one, but the thought of the pain, the scratching on the just dropped it me wasn't out. that painful. That's one thing. So the two that I went for were both small, but like one was on a apparently your ribs are meant to be um, a very sensitive area, and it didn't mm. hurt at all. It was just like it was just annoying. It was like a pricking sensation that I was like, I'd rather this not be happening. But I'm not in pain, like I can bear it. Yeah, I think you've got a higher pain threshold than I do. It's true. So. We know, obviously, um, body hair has become a part of, you know, the body positivity movement. And as I said, we had a really interesting conversation about this about four weeks ago with um, Henna Amin and Marissa Malik. And ultimately, it was about freedom of choice and giving space to people of all experiences. But what is your relationship with body hair? Mm. I feel like I feel like my relationship with body hair is quite like typical to people who grew up of our generation. I think we're about the same age um, in that it's very much was something that I was ashamed of, taught to get rid of very, very young. Uh, I think I like asked my mum how to shave when I was like eight. <laughs> really? Um, wow. What did you like want to get rid of? Like what body hair did you want to get rid of? I had barely had any, but I wanted to like learn how to shave my legs, I think. And also I had like a tiny, like always a quite a fuzzy face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I think I shaved around the like upper lip area when I was young, young as well. Cause wow. I was paranoid, so paranoid about having like a little bit of a dark, darker shadow there. 
so yeah that was that was instilled pretty young and and like you said like when I came into body positivity and just general came into feminism started learning about the shitty capitalist roots of body hair removal and you know freedom to make your own choices that helped me somewhat but I gotta say like it's it's interesting because a lot of people would say it's not that basically it's not that deep and you know we it's too much of a focus in like modern day feminism and it's just one thing and it's just body hair um but it's probably something that I still like personally get like a flicker of shame about now and then especially at times when I'm like single um and and putting myself and my body out there it's still real hard not to like fall into that Mm. male gaze expectation of looking like a baby seal you know (laughs) no I I hear you oh my god I because I didn't shave at all during lockdown and then knowing that the summer's coming I'm gonna have to wear more revealing clothing da 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 just stripped off all my hair just I just did it Mm. (laughs) and that's really frustrating and hard to like combat with as as a feminist and as someone who is pro body positivity and doing what you want um but then I I guess what the great thing about our conversation with Marissa and Henna was that it is ultimately about choice and as long as you're informed and understand why you do it then that's one step closer to I don't know progress you know you know I always think about any kind of I want to say like any kind of giving into beauty standards, any any compliance with beauty standards is that sometimes we skate real close to shaming the individual rather than recognizing that the individual is trying to get by the best that they can mm-hmm. within the culture that we've all been taught and we're just trying to like survive in. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that we still feel like we need to completely shave ourselves head to toe in the summer probably just because we don't want to be like harassed for how we look Mm. we don't want to have to deal with the judgment and it's it's you know it's not that's not our fault and Mm. that's not on us so I like very much reject any sense that we should feel guilty for for doing that you know Mm. totally you're Mm. right it's it's a survival thing I shaved to survive (laughs) (laughs) just just to make life a bit easier you know life's hard enough it's very true so you've worked with the BBC the Brits Channel 4 as a presenter and then we know that you've also been in a few campaigns but you must regularly get requests to work with brands how do you pick which brands you say yes to and do you sometimes feel like you're being approached as part of a tick box exercise like how do you differentiate between being tokenized and actually like a brand just wanting to work with you because of who you are that's a really good question I have a whole kind of list that I will always send off to brands to kind of see if they fit my criteria whether like if they're a fashion brand that's ethics and sustainability focused or uh, if they're a beauty brand that's are, are they cruelty free and kind of that level of stuff but then it's also always how truly diverse and representative is this campaign how many voices are we featuring mm. um and like you said it's not it is very hard to differentiate between a brand that truly like wants to represent all voices and one who's sat there thinking right we have one black person we have one trans person we have one disabled person brilliant lovely let's go mm-hmm. it's it's from the outside it's kind of impossible to tell unless you also know you know like who's filling up that brand's boardrooms and like what PR company are they working with and and where are they donating to and how are they treating the people who are involved in the campaign it's 
it's never ending like it's such a maze of questions to get into and I don't think I always necessarily get it right but I still do always try to ask the questions at least and you know hold myself ransom Mm. um which I know there's been like this year especially a lot of kind of instruction for if you have if you have a platform and you're asked to be part of a panel or a campaign you know don't agree to do it in unless it's diverse but you know a lot of us have been doing that for for years Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't work a lot of the time (laughs) I think people have this idea that sometimes if you step back and say I'm a step back so that you can hire someone with a more marginalized identity who hasn't been able to speak yet then they the brand will hire that person mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten they probably won't <laughs> um, and if I step back they will probably just hire a thin white woman um, so it's it's tricky I don't think there's any like hard and fast ways to always get that right you know yeah it's interesting because we did um, an episode on casting earlier this season one of the things that came out of it was you know, part of the progress to like full representation, like kind of has to involve an element of tokenism because it has to be intentional. But you're totally right. I think until things change up uh, in the boardrooms of the brands, like it's hard to ever feel satisfied that like the intention is is right. On the Mix Up podcast, you talked about some of your white followers asking you how you get your tan. So obviously genetics aside, <laughs> are you actually into tanning? And if so, what do you use? And then also what's your kind of go-to SPF? Because we're very, very big on SPF on this podcast. <laughs> I am into sitting in the sun at every possible opportunity that I get. Part, I think that's partly just for like mental health reasons, because my God, this country is depressing for half of the year. <laughs> um, yeah, so I get out there as soon as I can. My SPF, if I'm in a medium medium England sun I'm using a 20 if I'm abroad I'm on a 30 is that correct or wrong (laughs) oh I'm oh I'm factor 30 in the winter and factor 50 in the summer since um being told by Dr Iwoma that that is what I should do and I SPF indoors too sometimes I didn't today I'll be honest wow and why do do I even make the lower ones (laughs) Who's that for? (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand either, to be honest. There's a lot of stuff. I think SPF is such a funny thing. Um, Ayo and I were talking about there's a La Roche-Posay like spray aerosol SPF that we both have Mm -hmm. and use for (laughs) for top-ups. And we were both like, yeah, I'm not fully convinced that this is actually doing anything, but it just makes it feel better. But yeah, God knows why they make this the lower ones because you can get an SPF like 10 and 15 as well can't you yeah yeah you can get like three like can you like you slather it on as some kind of oil and like oil yeah oil is coming much lower yeah oh that's just like a a human baking oil yes yeah (laughs) I love those for holiday I do won't lie (laughs) (laughs) and I'll take the lowest SPF that there is possible to be fair okay you made me feel better (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's there's no rhyme or reason to what I do in terms of that it's just if that's what you got on the shelf then that's what I'm going to pick up Mm -hmm. to be fair it's better than nothing every little helps yeah on my face I definitely do between 20 and 30 but for the body if I'm on holiday whatever I find that I like I'm just going to use it (laughs) 
which fun. is I also don't understand the reasons for these things but also talking about summer the idea of being bikini ready is obviously often has a toxic connotation relating to obviously your diet kind of hair removal which you spoke about also or exercise culture but what does being bikini ready mean to you personally I mean I don't want to sound like um an infographic that we've all now seen a gajillion billion times on Instagram but you know have a body put a bikini on it like it is, <laughs> that, that is what it is isn't it um I think I don't know I think um over the years my relationship with having a bikini body has changed like wildly I spent my teenage years just trying to uh, be as thin as possible and then my early 20s trying to be as like Kardashian as possible and uh, I realized after kind of finding body positivity and learning more about diet culture and about fat phobia and, and why we feel the way we do about our bodies that I had really been out here thinking that my body was purely an ornament for other people's approval and like when I put a bikini on that's for everyone else around me and their judgment and that's what matters and it's not so that I can go and have a good time and live my life and do what I want and so these days I don't even I don't even think twice about what I've got on um I'm occasionally even like butt naked in, not in public <laughs> places but I would be I would do like nudist beaches um but yeah as little clothing as possible and I don't give a fuck um about about other people's opinions on that because my body is for me and it's to let me live and, and do what I want so that's the vibe for me when it comes to bikini bodies amen yes Megan <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for us to grab that and um just play it out <laughs> also just a side note I love your um the newsletter the idea of your newsletter and your voice notes that you um want to send out to your followers really into Thank that you. motivational voice notes um, oh yeah I'm trying trying something new and also it's no preparation <laughs> it's like I'm gonna pick a topic I'm gonna ramble about it for a minute that's fine how bad can it go you know <laughs> we'll see <laughs> um so we want to talk about mental health stigmas just for a, a minute as much as we've had this feels quite heavy but it's okay we'll get back to fun stuff and um, you've talked quite openly about like your process I guess like being on the internet has been part of your process of self-acceptance but can you share your thoughts on what impact dieting cultures have on our mental health just for anyone who isn't across your platforms and hasn't heard you speak about it before? I think the greatest impact that diet culture and when I say diet culture I mean you know our cultural obsession with a certain body type as perfect and spending our lives altering our, our diets and how we move our bodies in order to achieve it I think the biggest impact that growing up in diet culture had on me was um, generally believing that how I looked was the most important thing that I had to offer the world and building my life around that so genuinely not really engaging in my life not being present in my life not having goals outside of how I looked just having a constant obsessive voice in my head whether it was you know tracking calories or mm. scrutinizing myself in the mirror it was kind of like a cloud that just would hover over everything there would be no minute of my day where I wasn't tapping back into that oh but what about your body but what does that person think but what are you going to eat later how many push-ups are you going to do like just absolutely constant and I think that's an incredibly 
debilitating cloud to have mm. on a daily basis because you're not in your life you are always tapping out into somewhere else where you are the problem your body is wrong it's your fault you are to blame and I genuinely believe it stops people living the lives that they deserve it stops people living full lives where they have goals outside of their bodies where they have relationships that are the most fulfilling that they can be where they do things that you know they are maybe telling themselves they're not allowed to because of how they look and I don't think people realize how common that is and how common you know disordered eating is in our culture and Mm. body image issues even if you don't go into having a full-blown eating disorder it's so so common I think the age that girls start dieting on average in this country is like eight years old oh and god that's just that and that's just normal mm, that's just eight. normal yeah so the impact of that I just oh it's a lot it's a lot um and I don't want to be too too bleak but I'm not sure it's getting better because I think it's just finding more ways to be present mm. like everywhere everything that we do and like everything that we take in it's always there it's always there and diet culture is one of those things where when <laughs> when you start to notice it you can't unnotice it mm. um and you're like oh that was that that comment was fat phobic or like oh that advert is trying to sell me a product to change my body because apparently that's how you gain happiness and you know it's it's genuinely everywhere you're completely right in terms of even just looking at the increase of people using filters on instagram and things like that like it's I just don't know how it's going to, things are going to change really beyond the small and, you know, the body positivity movement is quite small when you look at the whole spectrum of the internet. But as that continues to grow, more people, I don't know, learn about it and engage and become more accepting about themselves. Like there isn't anything that's going to change it, which feels really bleak. Yeah, it's one of those things as well that, you know, it kind of, uh, it, it kind of trickles down from the place where like there is the most rot and you like you could you could argue in terms of body image that is the deep deep fat phobia that runs through like the medical profession mm. and like political policy the, the people who are targeted the most and the, that has the most negative impact on are fat people and people living in larger bodies and it trickles down from there and all of the diet culture comes down from there and seeps into the rest of us so that's a really big thing at the root to have to change because it's like lifetimes of misinformation about size and like stereotypes being perpetuated and it's so big it's so big and I think for a while like we really I really did think that doing this thing on Instagram was the revolution and we were changing everything and you know a new new day was coming and I can't say that I'm that optimistic anymore but you know like I feel like the internet also just like broke my spirit a little bit you know Um, but (laughs) it's big it's big and um, like any movement we kind of need to know what our what our mission is now I think we're a little bit lost Mm. I hear you on that on a lighter note how (laughs) how do you check in with your mental health on a daily basis or weekly basis do you have any rituals or mantras that you live by or products that you use 
well, I go to therapy every week religiously and have done for four, four, five years. So that's my biggest, my biggest help. Um, lately, I have been writing kind of gratitude lists every day. Sometimes it's like five things I'm grateful for. Sometimes it's five reasons to keep going, five reasons to be proud of yourself. I try and do that in the morning before I start my day. Uh, I'm still out here on those walks. I know a lot of people like now hate walks more than anything <laughs> in the universe, but I'm still making myself go every day for the for the brain results there and the fresh air and the nature. So those are probably probably my three main. Do you have rituals, either of you? Well, I hate walking. Um... <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> my new ritual is actually at the end of the day because because I just took my braids out and I've gone natural um parting my hair and plaiting it and oiling my scalp actually mm. is like this new wind down ritual that I have and also it's like just being able to touch my hair and twist it and manipulate it every day weirdly has had quite it helps me sleep better in a very strange strange way but I don't know that it's mm. because it's like this 20 minute ritual and then I'll obviously clean my face and put some oil on and it's just time of not thinking about anything apart from my hair and my skin that's lovely do you have like music in the background no but maybe I should I might change I might up my routine tonight <laughs> thanks for that Megan <laughs> um what do I do I write gratitude lists I try and do it in the morning, but I'm not a morning person, especially working from home. When I remember to do it during the day, I do that. And I also have an app called I Am. So it sends me about six to eight push notifications each day of something to be grateful for. Oh. So I kind of read those out aloud. We read somewhere that you'd recently changed your feelings around period shame. Can you talk to us about where that came from and how you feel each month now? when it comes well I did not grow up in a household where uh, things were talked about um like taboo things it just it just was not a topic and I remember like when I got my first period I was just instantly ashamed mm. scared to tell anyone clueless as to what to do about it um and my mum just kind of gave me a pad and then it wasn't mentioned <laughs> and then it wasn't really mentioned again same um, here yeah yeah which is you know you know that's that's how she was raised as well so it's not kind of trying to point any fingers at her mm -hmm. or anything but there just was not a like period positive movement um and you know it's been amazing to see that growing especially over the last few years for like the younger generations to have that and it has made me realize that I was still holding on to quite a lot of shame around that and shame that had been put on me particularly by like the cis men that I had dated in the past just like casual comments or themes around you know being dirty or oh, mm. I don't want to see that and actually a lot of that changed for me when I started dating someone who has periods that was a whole new ball game for me uh, because that person not only had no shame, but had kind of built an entire career around talking about not having shame around mm -hmm. that um, and helped me shake off a lot, helped me shake off a lot of my own. And I'm grateful for that. I really am grateful for that. Um, and now, yeah, there's no way that I would ever kind of hide a tampon down my sleeve or like apologize for 
saying that my womb hurts at the moment like (laughs) I can't believe like I can't believe how conditioned we are Mm. to just apologize for things we have no control over all the time so true so sad very sad all right we're on to our last segment of the episode some fun questions um so we love your makeup and makeup that you do and we know you often (laughs) match your eye makeup to your hair what makeup products do you use oh I've been trying to like transition everything in my makeup bag like over to cruelty free version um at the moment I'm using I'm using a lot of Fenty like Rihanna was not lying about the quality of that (laughs) of that Fenty face it's it's it is very very good um lips I'm on a lot of Urban Decay they're like they match lip liner and lipstick really nicely. Mm-hmm. And what else? What else? What else? I think there's like a bit of Charlotte Tilbury. This is sounding really fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but if it um, works, yeah. I'm pro yeah, investment, yeah. to be honest. I'm like, I'm, I'll spend that money if it's going to give me the pigment that I need. I am so resentful, though, of (laughs) I'm one of these people. I will literally research a makeup product before I commit to buying Mm. it. Like I will read the reviews. I will look at all the swatches because I really resent spending like 20 quid on a freaking mascara. If it's going to be terrible, I will be bitter about that the Uh, whole time I'm I'm using it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly the same. I hate that shit. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) What is the, the one beauty product that you just cannot live without? And if you had to use one beauty product for the rest of your life, that would be it. I would probably choose a bronzer. Oh. And the the Fenty, I think it's like Freestyle Cream bronzer. It's like, yeah, it's not a powder. What's the opposite of a powder? Is it the one on the stick? No, it's in a like compact. it's in a little palette thing. Yeah, it's in a compact. It's like cream, cream bronze. Ooh. And it's just like really nice and buildable and just looks a little bit dewy because I get quite dry and we don't want to be like flaky out here. So How do you apply just... that with a brush or with a beauty blender? Or your uh, hands? I use a bronzer brush, but you can use your fingers like in the videos that Rihanna like, is always just tapping stuff off with her hands. But yeah, I use a brush. It works pretty well. I, you know, I have to have the slight glow about me in the dead of winter when I'm literally like the colour grey. <laughs> I get pasty too. so we talked about your mental health check-ins and routines and rituals and stuff but do you have any like beauty rituals that have kind of been handed down you know even things from your grandmother or your mum or your aunties like is there anything that is really dear Mm. to you that you would probably pass down to the next gen to be honest my only real ritual that I cannot be without is just like body butter morning and night every day I I can't go a day without moisturizing yeah very very like invested in my skin being quenched mm. usually usually mango or some other like tropical flavored scent and I've been doing that yeah every day since I was old enough to put lotion on myself do you do that twice a day or just once a day usually twice wow it's so funny I feel like as black people because we have to moisturize every day I don't even really even see that as a ritual it's just like a necessity it's like drinking water I'd never even think of it as something that I do 
Yeah, uh, don't don't you feel like like the the technique that you over the years you've honed for like the speed of like rubbing it mm. in it's just like it blows some people's minds. These people like don't even have to moisturize. See, I do it straight out of the shower. I found that if my skin is slightly wet, that like my moisturizing technique is maximized. I've heard that before, but I like an air dry. I like to just let mm. my body dry naturally, so we never get to that stage. Mm. So do you just like you have... stand around your bedroom naked? No, but I'll get out of the shower, I'll brush my teeth, I'll do something. The next minute, you know, skin is dry. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and our very, 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 well, second to very last question. It's something that we love to ask all of our guests and it kind of catches some people off guard, especially if they haven't listened to one of our episodes before but I feel that you're going to give a really good answer for this. So tell us, Megan, when did you realise you were beautiful? I'm going to give an honest answer and say that is not something that I suddenly realised one day and it never shifted. I think that is something that I have come to believe Mm. at times in my life, mostly in mid-20s onwards, but that I still do not believe every day I think it is a fallacy that you hit that point and then it never moves it never shakes you like look in the mirror every day or or you see your value inherently every single day no I think I'm going to be working on that for a long long time so it's on and off I think that's what makes you beautiful indeed (laughs) honestly yeah just open and honest thanks we're pro honesty here on the Unpretty podcast. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Megan. You've been amazing. Love, love, love your energy and your honesty. Um, our last question, which actually is our last question, is: <laughs> Please, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet, and if you've got anything coming up that they should look out for? Yeah, absolutely. You can now find me at Megan Jane crab jane with the y in the middle if you just search megan it'll probably come up twitter megan j crab (laughs) and to look out for i just launched a newsletter which i'm pretty excited about called is it just me or where i will be sharing honest feelings about social media bodies relationships mental health all of that good stuff you guys that was such a sweet episode i really really enjoyed that conversation obviously i wasn't part of it but listening to it back and listening to how warm and open Megan was, I just, um, yeah, it was really Megan. lovely. Well done. She was just so nice. Yeah, she's just mm. using positivity, like mm. just such a good But like honest positivity mm. really and honest. genuine. And yeah. I don't know, like she's the perfect person for us to end this season on. All of the values that she exudes and puts out on the internet, but also just like the realistic expectations behind the work that she's doing. It's just really admirable. Yeah, really lovely. Yeah, I um, I think my favourite part of the episode was when you guys are asked her what she does with her natural hair. And I really, really liked that she was very aware that the conversation would usually be around mm-hmm. women's textured hair. So she was aware enough to be like, oh, I, you guys probably asked this question to women with textured hair, mm. which I thought was really mm. sincere of her. 
to be like, I know what this is usually means, but I'm going to try and answer the best I can from my point of view. I thought that was a really nice acknowledgement. I've never heard someone sort of do that before to be like, this question isn't usually for me, but let me mm-hmm. answer it as if it was. You know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that it also just further highlights like the real spectrum of hair when it comes to black people, Mm -hmm. mixed race people. I don't really know many mixed race people who don't have textured hair. I don't think I know any. Mm -hmm. Megan's probably Mm -hmm. the first one that I've come across. Yeah, true actually. She was just like, she was like, my strong white mum jeans really (laughs) got in the way. (laughs) It's like, fair enough. It was a really, really really nice conversation. I think that there's Mm -hmm. so many things to take away from her. I'm really excited to see Mm -hmm. Megan in this new Megan Jane Crab self as opposed to the Body Posse Mm. Panda which has obviously built the Mm. over one million followers Mm. that she has on on Instagram yeah it's a lot of people so as I said I don't really pay any attention at all to the Olympics but I (laughs) found myself reading a story on the cut that I'd like to recommend to people and also made me feel differently the way that Mm. I have kind of responded to all of the madness around particularly the team US and the Olympics but I know it's affected other black female athletes across the globe as well it's called black Olympians are set up to fail and obviously it talks about Shakari Richardson who was banned recently for failing a drug test after self-medicating through weed after the loss of her mother and then it also Mm -hmm. talks about like the banning of the sole caps the swim caps that are designed for black swimmers but the whole thing like Mm -hmm. when you read it all in its entirety it's really quite infuriating and you can't help but think that there is a pattern Mm, yeah I find the olympics thing i'm in two minds i think i feel sorry for shikari but also she technically did fail a drug test and it's technically not allowed it shouldn't i think actually the olympics need to redress some of their rules yeah and i think that should be the conversation rather than saying i think some of the things are not fair i definitely think the caps thing is silly and all those other things and with the women um with the testosterone thing Mm -hmm. But I think the angle should go to the Olympics to say, okay, instead of making this a race thing, let's actually make this uh, addressing the rules you guys have as part of these games. Because obviously they aren't working. They aren't working for all women. It just seems to be targeted this year at black women. Because I don't remember, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember this being a topic last time the Olympics were on. I don't know if suddenly it's become very black this year. I mean, the drugs, there's always drugs Mm. conversations. Obviously Mm. like doping and you know, there's Michael Phelps and that kind of stuff. So there's always been the conversation around like testing positive for drugs, but you know, it's, yeah. I guess now that weed is legalized in right. how many states, obviously Olympics mm-hmm. is a global platform. So weed is still illegal in how many other countries around the world. Right. So I guess they can only be fair to all other countries where substances right. like weed aren't legal, but you have to remember there's, they can't even take like, stuff like paracetamol mm. aspirin apparently right. yeah no definitely and to be honest that was my initial response I was like you know she broke the rules it's illegal well in some places mm. not in the state that she mm. was taking it. but I think that when you look at everything in its entirety and then also look at specifically yeah. what it is mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know marijuana isn't a performance enhancing drug so Mm-mm, you're no. right I think if anything, exactly. it's performance exactly. worse. <laughs> you know, these swimming caps right. are not performance enhancing swimming caps. They don't have propellers like built in underneath. 
the Namibian right. athletes who have been banned because they're high in high testosterone levels like mm-hmm. yeah how yeah. is that like they've been advised nah, to take fault. medication to reduce their fault. testosterone yeah. levels like that in itself is right that's an absolute piss take. I don't, that is the one that has to really be addressed because is it therefore yeah. they were born that way yeah so the, I hope I hope the Olympic body recognizes that these rules are archaic and that they address them for the future Olympics I mean year. they've got listen they've got four yeah. years to yeah. get this shit together right. Right. So let's hope that something happens in four years. Can't really talk on it too much because I haven't finished it, but I've started my first Zadie oh. Smith book. So I'm reading Intimations and it's six small essays. Um, It's a lovely, tiny little book. She obviously is in our ether. Everyone talks about her. Everyone loves her. Everyone's in awe of her. So it's been nice to sort of get into such a well-known and well-loved author. I love Zadie Smith. I can't remember if I've actually read one of her books. I feel like I probably did as 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 a teenager, but nothing's coming to my mind. Well, guys, we did it. Season two. Season two. We are wrapped. I hope everyone listening loved it as much as we did. This season for me, I've definitely actively done things because a few of the things we've talked about have been like mm. things we can actually action in terms of like hair products mm. or beauty products. So yeah, definitely enjoyed that. Did you guys take anything away from yours? Yeah, I think that my whole thing has mainly been about my hair, but like. I really enjoyed the body hair episode with Henna and Marissa, mainly because mm. I suppose mm. I have the privilege of like actually having really fine body hair, but like I still have the same, mm. like same what Megan said about feeling the constant need to be like a baby seal, but also just being okay with like, if I make the decision to take it off, then that's fine too. I don't need to beat myself up about it. Exactly. I really, really learned a lot this season, I must say. There was just so many different nuggets of information. I really enjoyed our conversation we had around menstruation and menopause. I mean, there was so much that I personally did not know. And having someone like Karen Mm. Arthur just to really Mm. share her experiences about menopause and, you know, to make it not sound like you're just moving mud out here on these streets because you don't know what's wrong with you and you know perimenopause and there's so much there was just so much information on there and just hearing about it from Zing's perspective as well Mm. obviously coming from Mm -hmm. a different cultural background to us and you know the funny story about her dad and when when he first found out she had her period I think like stuff like that I was just like it was so interesting for me it's just a topic or topics that we just really don't talk about enough at all and I think yeah. for me that was probably the biggest takeaway out of the whole season. I agree. Yeah, it was good. I think we right. need more. We need to have more of those conversations actually. And I think looking to season three, hopefully we can open more of those windows of conversation to our listeners. Mm. If there's anything that you have loved particularly this season, please do let us know. But if there's anything that you want us to cover, or anyone that you want us to have on here we met some people's requests this season just hit us up at unpretty podcast on instagram and twitter for sure and thanks for listening thanks for coming on the journey and as infamously as we say every time should we say it together guys until Until next next time. time the unpretty podcast is hosted by chi yufudiyama and basma khalifa produced by kadeen bissett and ayo sule our artwork was created by Zenia Geller and soundtrack by Enoch Kolo. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure you've subscribed on your chosen podcast listening platform.
And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate us so more people can find us. And follow us on at Unpretty Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more updates. Until next time.